Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This activity entitled Navigating the HER2 Treatment Paradigm for Gastric Cancer is jointly provided by Medical Education Resources and Novus Medical Education and is supported by independent educational grants from Daiichi Sankyo and AstraZeneca. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements as well as the learning objectives. Hello, and thank you for joining us on this webcast titled Navigating the HER2 Treatment Paradigm for Gastric Cancer. I'm Dr. David Ilson, Professor of Medicine at Weill Medical College at Cornell and a medical oncologist at the Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center in New York City. I'm joined today by my colleague, Dr. Jaffer Ajani of MD Anderson Cancer Center. Jaffer, please introduce yourself. Uh, hi, David. It's a great pleasure to join you this evening. Um, I'm a GI medical oncologist and I work at MD Anderson. And like you, I focus on gastric and esophageal cancers. Well, I look forward to uh, an engaging discussion. Uh, we sort of have a lot of uh, interesting and exciting data to review and practice changing studies. Before we get started today, let's review our learning objectives. Upon conclusion of this webcast, participants should be able to recognize the appropriate histological subtype and cancer stage that should be tested for HER2 overexpression in patients with gastric or gastroesophageal junction cancers. We'll describe the incidence of HER2 overexpression in gastric and GEJ adenocarcinomas, and we'll talk about the selection of appropriate first and second line treatment regimens for patients with advanced metastatic HER2 overexpressing gastric and GE junction adenocarcinomas. And we'll identify appropriate monitoring and management strategies for adverse effects related to uh, HER2 targeted therapies. So I'm going to uh, let uh, Jaffer lead us off uh, and uh, talk about some background issues. Yeah. So David, you know, gastroesophageal cancers are actually pretty common if you combine adenocarcinoma of the esophagus and GE junction plus gastric cancer, we are talking about 41,000 new cases per year in the United States. But the burden is even larger, uh, 1.6 million new cases, uh, predominantly gastric uh, adenocarcinoma. And uh, we are focusing on HER2 as a target today. So it's a very legitimate target. And since there are two major phenotypes of gastric adenocarcinoma, we always kind of make a distinction between intestinal type and gut diffuse type. And it so happens that HER2 is more frequently overexpressed in intestinal type than in diffuse type. So in intestinal type, it can be up to 20%. Of course, the numbers vary considerably depending on different studies. And uh, the other issue is that maybe you can also add to this is the heterogeneity of expression. So, you know, my question to you would be, I mean, where do you biopsy? And if you if you, one biopsy is negative, do you take another sample? Yeah, I think pathologists now are encouraging to assess even several samples. Uh, there can be discordance between primary and metastasis, and sometimes patients will test initially HER2 negative in the primary, and they may have positive tests later, but there clearly is heterogeneity, and we even see this in, sometimes in di differential responses at different sites of disease, but it's hard to biopsy every site of disease. Yeah. So let me also ask you whether you think liquid biopsy can overcome that kind of heterogeneity? 
Yeah, I think liquid biopsy certainly uh, assesses the whole body. So, so uh, if it, if we're sampling a site that's HER2 negative and we have a HER2 expressing site, we should be able to pick it up with uh, HER2 uh, amplification and liquid biopsies. To me, its greatest utility is in retesting patients. You know, once they've been exposed to HER2 targeted therapy and may potentially lose HER2 overexpression. It might be a way of screening patients to make sure that that's at least some of the tumor burden is still retaining HER2 overexpression, and a blood-based uh, testing would be one consideration. So um, the initial testing, we will also expand on this, is either by immunohistochemistry, in some cases uh, by FISH testing, looking at gene copy number. Uh, unfortunately, the cancer cells are pretty smart, and they will express a lot of other pathways uh, that uh, confer resistance simultaneously. So that means that there's a lot of heterogeneity also in the HER2 positive patients. And um, so as, as you mentioned, uh, maybe you can uh, mention a little bit more. What do you get if you have a patient with HER2 positive tumor the frontline treatment fails, but then you want to retest again. What kind of results do you get? Yeah, well, we know uh, series indicate anywhere between 15 to 30% or more on rebiopsy may lose HER2 expression. Either they lose the IHC or they lose the gene amplification. And increasingly, we're, we're using uh, circulating tumor DNA to assess for HER2 gene amplification. And uh, one study uh, in second line uh, showed us as much as a, up to a 60% loss. So this is a potential uh, uh, one area of resistance, as well as you mentioned uh, up front, up to 55% of patients have co-expression of potential resistance pathways. And we know that patients that have been exposed to trastuzumab actually acquire as well some of these resistance pathways, including EGFR, MET, and uh, other pathways. So um some of the recent trials haven't mandated rebiopsy, uh, and uh, uh, you know, obviously, uh, if we just biopsy one area, it could be a sampling error. And I think uh, the one benefit potentially of circulating tumor DNA is it's a more whole body assessment of whether or not we retain HER2 gene amplification. So immunohistochemistry testing produces kind of a simple results. If you have three plus, then you don't need to go any further. If you have zero or one plus, also you don't need to go any further because your tumor is considered negative. Uh, the issue is when it is two plus, then you have to do subsequent testing, uh, which is by FISH looking at amplification of uh, RB2 copy number. And how often uh, is that going to be positive in your experience if you had like 10 patients with two plus IHC? Yeah, it's probably uh, almost up to half a patient. So it's definitely worth testing. Um, and, uh, and also there's also the degree of fish positivity. Uh, you know, sometimes, you know, the cutoff is, you know, greater than two. Uh, and sometimes it's just marginally above that. So uh, there's also the degree of fish positivity, but uh, the uh, positivity rate is high enough that it's clearly warranted to test. So if it's okay with you, I was just going to mention the first-line trial. Uh, the TOGA trial that was reported almost 10 years ago, which compared standard chemotherapy 
uh, versus standard chemotherapy plus trastuzumab. And we were all very excited about the results. Uh, by today's standard, they are kind of modest. But in those days, you know, it was really something. And I think the new twist is um, the addition of pembrolizumab. This, this one pilot that originated at Memorial Sloan Kettering and the other pilot from Korea, they're showing very similar and very exciting data. So if you add Pembro, David, tell us what, what do you get? Yeah, well, in our uh, phase two trial, we saw a response rate slightly in excess of 80%. And uh, uh, the uh, progression-free survival was very encouraging. Uh, it was beyond a year. Uh, and overall uh, survival extended out beyond two years. So it was a very strong signal from the phase two uh, and uh, really did not add significant toxicity. I mean, you know, we know there are toxicities that we see with pembrolizumab, but it's in a relative minority of patients. So this uh, really positive pilot study, uh, which actually also uh, did not show dependence on PDL1 uh, expression for benefit, uh, led to uh, keynote. Um, uh, 811, the randomized phase three trial, which you'll comment on. Yeah. So, you know, this is very interesting. The keynote 811 is the largest uh, HER2 directed trial that is already accrued, close to 700 patients, and very simple, elegant design. So, trastuzumab plus chemo versus trastuzumab plus chemo and pembrolizumab. And the primary dual endpoints are overall survival. And PFS, but we don't really know those primary endpoint results yet. I'm hoping that by next year we should have them. But what we have is the uh, response uh, rate and response duration results in about 260 patients at the initial uh, release of the data, and and that led to approval of pembrolizumab. Um, uh, for uh, frontline treatment to be added to trastuzumab plus chemotherapy. So um, as you mentioned, with the pilot trial, the response rate was very high. And if you would like to comment on these results on 260 patients. Yeah, I think, you know, we always get excited about phase two trials and then we do the phase three trial and we get disappointed. And what was remarkable from Keynote 811 was uh, indeed a 50% response rate for conventional treatment. It went up to 75% uh, with the addition of pembrolizumab, which actually approached almost the response rate we saw in the phase two trial. Um, so uh, uh, obviously a, a significant increase. And based on that, we got regulatory approval in this interim analysis, conditional approval. Uh, and response durations were pretty good, about, uh, about nine to 10 months. Um, I think the caveat here is, uh, despite the higher response rate, the duration of responses seem to be similar. So uh, we'll have to see uh, how the trial reads out with progression-free and overall survival. Also, the vast majority of patients were three plus HER2, so the mm -hmm. patients most likely to benefit more than 80%. And also the vast majority were PDL1 positive at 1% or higher, more than 80%. So, so this certainly is a population uh, that uh, is reflective of likely to get the greatest benefit from these drugs. So tell us what, what the new stuff is going on. Well, I think originally, you know, there was a lot of, uh, a lot of nihilism about 
the fact that uh, gastro, esophageal gastric cancer, HER2 positive, did not behave like breast cancer. We just weren't seeing that all the agents that we used uh, in breast cancer, we didn't get the same benefits because we didn't mention in the first line the negative results for lapatinib, the negative results for pertuzumab. And initially, we had similar negative results for HER2 second-line therapy, patients that had gotten first-line tristizumab with progression. And we had negative results for tristizumab and tansine, TDM1, was no better than treatment with a taxane alone uh, in a trial that treated almost 350 patients, very similar overall survival. Uh, then the TITAN trial looked uh, second line at paclitaxel plus lapatinib, and in a small trial uh, showed uh, no significant uh, uh, improvements. There might have been some subsets with higher expression, or, um, uh, but uh, uh, not a clear benefit. And then lastly, unlike breast cancer again, uh, uh, continuing uh, trastuzumab into second line chemotherapy did not improve outcome compared to chemotherapy alone. This was the T-ACT randomized phase two Japanese trial, which showed no differences in progression-free and overall survival uh, when we uh, uh, continued trastuzumab in a second-line treatment. And this is one of the studies that uh, documented persistent HER2 amplification in circulating tumor DNA in only 60% of patients. So a significant percentage uh, lost their over, uh, HER2 expression. And now I think we'll move on to really what's exciting and the new drugs in this space uh, we're particularly excited about some of the newer antibody drug conjugates and bispecific antibodies. We'll spend a little time talking about trastuzumab deruxtecan. Uh, this is trastuzumab conjugated to a topoisomerase 1 inhibitor, exotecan. Uh, and uh, this, uh, is, this drug conjugate is a little bit unique in that the chemotherapy payload is very potent, and the chemotherapy payload has the potential to diffuse out into neighboring cells, so there might be a bystander effect and a pretty remarkable 43% response rate in the initial phase one and two trial in HER2 refractory, HER2 positive gastric cancer. Uh, this then led to uh, the positive randomized phase two trial that led to regulatory approval for tristuzumab deruxtecan both in the United States and Japan, the DESTINY gastric one trial. Uh, in, the United, in Japan, the, the drug is approved third line or later. In the United States, uh, it's approved second or later line in uh, HER2 positive patients. So I think it makes sense to approve it in second line because there's no, if the drug is so effective, you know, uh, I mean, we, we have to be careful about toxicity, which you mentioned, but in an active drug, I, I would not want to necessarily wait till third line. So made a good decision, I think. Yeah, I think we have the option now. Uh, and certainly the gastric one trial showed an improvement in response rate over chemotherapy from 14 to 40%, as well as uh, significant improvements in progression-free survival, as well as overall survival, which were secondary endpoints. And this uh, uh, pretty convincingly, even despite it being a randomized phase two trial uh, and uh, only done uh, in Asia, uh, led to approval. Of course, one of the, the drug effects that we have to be very cognizant of is uh, lung inflammation or pneumonitis. Uh, we've seen this in the breast cancer studies and the colon cancer studies, um, and the, the rate is uh, between 5 to 10%. Uh, most of it is uh, grade 1 or 2, but occasionally we do see more severe pneumonitis, and there actually were some fatalities uh, from this in the breast and the colon cancer studies, fortunately not in the gastric cancer studies. 
so I just want to mention briefly, we're going to talk about management of the lung toxicity, but uh, I just want to mention the gastric O2 study because this was a companion trial to really test this drug in a Western population because, you know, the gastric O1 was really a trial conducted in Asia and Destiny Gastric O2 was a single arm phase two trial looking at patients uh, in the second line receiving tristizumab deruxtecan. The trial did mandate uh, that uh, persistence of HER2 positivity had to be shown in repeat uh, tumor biopsies. And uh, uh, this uh, data from this study were recently presented at the ESMO meeting and really confirmed a response rate of about 40%. So this is very similar to what uh, Gastric one showed in the Asian randomized phase two trial. Uh, and uh, progression-free survival wasn't as high, but it still was uh, about six months. Uh, and uh, so I think we saw validation of activity for this drug in a Western population, which I think reinforces the, uh, the need uh, uh, for this drug to be available. So it looks like uh, we are gaining ground with uh, targeting her to with, uh, with drugs like this. Yeah, I think the lung disease, uh, most of it is grade one to two. And uh, we usually, the treatment, as with any of these uh, inflammatory uh, toxicities, is steroids. And uh, usually a lower dose of prednisone for grade one to two, and then the more higher dose, one milligram per kilogram, in the patients that have grade three or four, stop the obviously stop the tristuzumab deruxtecan. Usually, continue the steroids for at least two weeks before there's a taper, and then monitor uh, the patients carefully. And we have to watch for cough, shortness of breath, fevers. Uh, you know, we're getting scans on these patients every two months anyway, so um, yeah. we, we monitor them already fairly carefully. So I just wanted to move on and talk about some of the other uh, drugs that are emerging in this space. Uh, just to complete the discussion of tristizumab deruxtecan, there are two other ongoing trials of this drug. Uh, Destiny Gastric O3 is now evaluating uh, tristizumab deruxtecan in first-line combinations with chemotherapy, with uh, checkpoint inhibitors. And then, uh, you know, we address the issue of should we use the drug second-line or third-line, you know, sort of standard second-line treatment in all patients has been paclitaxel ramucirumab. And Destiny Gastric 04 is a randomized comparison of tristizumab deruxtecan uh, compared to paclitaxel and ramucirumab in second line. Uh, I want to mention margituximab. This is another novel uh, uh, antibody. It's engineered with a HER2, anti-HER2 component with the FC domain uh, engineered to activate uh, CD16A on NK cells, so it may enhance immune recruitment. Very promising phase one and two data with pembrolizumab plus margituximab, particularly in the IHC3 plus PDL1 positive patients. And we'll talk a little bit about the ongoing uh, randomized trial, the mahogany trial. Xanadatumab is another promising drug. This targets two epitopes on HER2. Uh, it has both activity as a single agent and with chemotherapy. And tocatinib, which has shown promise in uh, breast cancer, it's a promising HER2 tyrosine kinase inhibitor studied in combination with trastuzumab in second and later line. And there'll be an, a randomized trial, Montanir 2, which will look at a fairly large patient population of this drug in combination and later line uh, HER2 positive patients. Yeah, uh, this is a very impressive list. And of course, uh, we are going to mention that HER2 can be a target for other vaccines, for example, or CAR T cells and NK cells. So it's getting very interesting. 
Yeah, the uh, just to mention the ongoing trials, uh, margituximab has an arm which is chemotherapy free, which combines margituximab with a, a anti PD one drug in uh, the IHC three plus PDL one positive, and then the randomized uh, cohort B is comparing trastuzumab uh, chemotherapy versus margituximab chemotherapy with or without a checkpoint inhibitor, and also their uh, looking at a novel LAG3 uh, PD-1 uh, bispecific antibody combined with margituximab and chemotherapy. Xanadatinab, uh, just to mention briefly, uh, uh, promising activity is a single agent in a phase two, about 35 to 40%, and even a 60% response in combination with capecitabine or paclitaxel. And we recently saw at the ESMO meeting a few weeks ago first-line xanadatumab plus five of few combination chemotherapy with a rather impressive 75% response rate, which is somewhat reminiscent of the uh, Keynote 811 uh, pembrolizumab uh, uh, study with a median duration of response of more than 15 months. Uh, so uh, I, uh, I think we look forward to hearing more about xanadatumab uh, combinations. Diarrhea is a concern with this drug. I know we've seen this with, particularly with trastuzumab, pertuzumab in breast cancer, but uh, diarrhea with xanadatumab and first-line 5-FU-based chemotherapy, grade 3 or 4, was about 40%. So they did use uh, anti-diarrheal prophylaxis. So I have a little experience with uh, xanadatumab because we uh, participated in the phase 1 trial also where the 4th and 5th line patients, some of my patients, received this drug and the response rate was, you know, something like 35%, which, as you well know, you will never get a high response rate like that with standard of care agents. So this is very promising. Yeah, I think now we have a competitive space uh, with potentially margituximab in the first lines and adatumab. Uh, but we also have to remember that uh, these drugs should uh, be investigated in later line as well. Uh, uh, you know, how do we, if they all turn out to be positive, how do we sequence them? And we now have margituximab as an approved second and third line agent. So this is actually a good problem to have, uh, that we have a wealth of uh, active options. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, we'll see whether will the first line uh, standard of care now, which is now trastuzumab, chemotherapy, and pembrolizumab, whether it will evolve to include some of these other newer agents. All right. You're right. Um, so... Can you just uh, give us a summary of um, some of the newer agents that are coming out and then your sort of overall impression of what, where we are in this field? Yeah, I just wanted to mention a few other names so they're on your radar. Uh, there are other anti-HER2, anti-HER3 drugs that are promising. ZW49, which is another antibody drug conjugate, uh, which is uh, combined with a, an antimicrotubule drug. Then there's a drug PRS343, which is a bispecific antibody construct, which targets HER2 as well as CD137, which may be an immune agonist and recruiting uh, element. Then there's some other biologic agents, and you mentioned earlier cell-based therapies, uh, potentially CAR T cells tar you know, targeting HER2. So um, we, we really have an exciting uh, a group of new agents. Uh, there, we finally moved beyond uh, first-line HER2-targeted therapy. We're now with an approved second-line agent and, and uh, many new drugs in the pipeline that are looking very promising. So I think to summarize our discussion, uh, HER2 is an important target in esophagogastric adenocarcinoma. It's key 
that we uh, screen all patients for HER2 positivity uh, at initial diagnosis of advanced metastatic disease. Uh, and again, we talked about IHC testing uh, as the first line. And then in IHC2+, we would do confirmatory testing with FISH. Uh, in the first line, we now have a new standard of care. We now use chemotherapy, trastuzumab, and pembrolizumab in first line, given the response rate achieved on the Keynote 811 study. And uh, we talked about some other promising agents that are being screened in earlier line as well. And now second or later line, we have an approved drug, trastuzumab deruxtecan, approved third or later line in Japan. In the United States, we have the option of second or later line. Um, and uh, consideration for repeat HER2 testing. This was done in the gastric uh, O2 uh, Western trial to document persistent uh, HER2 uh, amplification and an awareness of the uh, unique toxicity of pulmonary uh, toxicity and pneumonitis, which is treatable, but uh, we need to be cognizant of that so that we keep it a manageable uh, and potentially avoidable toxicity. And then, uh, as I said, we have a, a new agents, uh, 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 new technologies to follow patients with circulating tumor DNA. Uh, we also have some, even some specific HER2 imaging uh, testing that's being done. Uh, uh, and uh, one thing I'll just comment on briefly, we don't yet have data to support the use of HER2 targeted therapy in the adjuvant setting, uh, some initial negative studies and whether HER2 combinations will move that field forward, that remains to be seen. Any so other that comments? is fantastic summary, David. Thank you so much. I just uh, sort of re-emphasize what I said earlier, that HER2 is, is one unique target that you can go back to. So fortunately, you know, you can go back second time. And hopefully in gastric space, just like the breast space, you can go back third time, fourth time, and fifth time. Yeah, no, I think this is an encouraging time. And uh, I think we've had a great discussion. We've reviewed uh, the key issues. And uh, uh, a lot of enthusiasm and hope for a new drug development. You've been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is jointly provided by Medical Education Resources and Novus Medical Education and is supported by independent educational grants from Daiichi Sankyo and AstraZeneca. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com slash CME. Thank you for listening.